This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My regular co-host, AJ Schultz, is away in Paris, brushing up on the French pronunciation of hockey players' names, I hope. And uh, subbing for him is my pal, Mike Augello, an accredited member of the Professional Hockey Writers Association, a writer for Hockey Buzz, and you can follow him at Mike in Buffalo. On today's pod, Mike and I will take a look at some players who are off to great starts and others who are struggling as we take our weekly look at the 31 NHL rosters. Welcome to PuckCast, Mike. Thanks, Paul. Great great pleasure to be with you. And uh, there's some good stories that are going on after a little less than two weeks in the NHL, so... Yeah, it's going to be fun to talk about them. Excellent. Always fun to talk hockey with you, my friend. We've known each other for a number of years, almost 20 years by my calculation, Mike. So uh, we know how each other thinks about the hockey world and a lot of other things in in general, but always enjoy your time with me. Uh, Before we kick off the rest of the show, I'll remind listeners that throughout each week, if you have any questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us and we'll try to answer your questions during our next podcast podcast you can follow me at statsman22 and you can follow aj who will be back next week at aj shoals 24 and uh, let's get into it now mike with a look at around the league i want to take a look at the surprise contributors and starts that are likely sustainable or players that you like in their current situations and also on the flip side players that are off to a a poor start or maybe uh we maybe rated a little higher than we should and maybe they're not going to be as good as we think they might be so we'll go around the league and take a look at each of the 31 teams as always we start with the anaheim ducks and i'm interested in pointing out that Andre Case has four points in his first six games. He's one guy that I highlighted at the beginning of the season, thinking he'd get a top six role here. That's exactly what's turned out for him. And it wasn't so long ago that they had a whole host of offensive-minded defensemen. Now they're down to about two that I can really count on. Hampus Lindholm and Cam Fowler are those two guys, and they're off to pretty decent starts as well. On the flip side, Adam Henrique was only Uh, held to one point in his first five games but he broke out yesterday with a couple of points i'm looking for big things for him as he tries to hold down that second center role for the ducks uh, going forward Uh, your thoughts on this team mike in the early going 
Well, I, I think the key for, for the Ducks, and they've gotten off to a better start than I expected under new coach Dallas Eakins, uh, is to get production from some of the young players that Eakins had in San Diego. Uh, Sam Steele, who was a WHL leading scorer a couple years ago, uh, has, has had some injury problems. He's just coming back from the injured list. He's only played two games. Um, but the, what they really need is production from their veteran guys, and Ryan Getzloff has traditionally gotten off to slow starts, and he's only got two points in the last in his first six games and in spite of their success they, they'll need Getzloff to produce a lot more uh, for them to maintain a uh, you know distance in the playoff race and up next we look at the Arizona Coyotes Mike Clayton Keller's a guy that they count on a lot I, he emerged last season as a, a guy that should be a fixture in the top six here for a while he's got three points in his first four games uh, Garland is another interesting name here for me. I wonder if this guy is going to be a, a top six or bot, uh, bottom six kind of guy. Right now they got him slotted in a third line role, and he's got a, off to a decent start with a couple of goals. I don't peg him to be a 20-goal scorer or anything like that, but an interesting guy, should they get injuries up front in the top six, maybe his profile gets a little bit higher. And on the downside, Oliver ekman Larson's a guy that I can't help but notice normally when the Coyotes are on TV, but he's been uh, kind of MIA with only one point so far. I think they have to be concerned about the fact their captain is underperforming right now. What are well, your thoughts there? It's a bit of a slow start for sure. And but the concern, the overall concern with the Coyotes has been injuries. Last year it was. This year, again, you know, Yarmolson out three months with a fibula injury. Um, but they, you know, they brought in Phil Kessel, who's been a uh, Iron Man, so to speak, since his days with Toronto. He hasn't missed a game in, in the regular season or playoffs. He only has one point in four games. They need production out of out of Kessel, and they need to stay healthy. Guys like Nick Schmaltz got hurt last year. Uh, Christian Dvorak got hurt they need to keep these guys in the lineup if they think they have a chance to make the playoffs in boston this is a veteran club mike and i at the beginning of the season thought that age is going to catch up to this core and injuries related to that as well and we may be starting to see that with the news out of boston that david krejci suffered an injury in his last game and he has been ticketed for that second line spot just holding down that role that he has for years They've got insurance there with Charlie Coyle behind him, so they may not get, miss a beat until Krejci's healthy. But I do think it could be a bit of a concern. The defense already nicked up, too, with veterans John Moore and Kevin Miller on the sidelines. But uh, the results on the ice have been very positive. The big line is firing on all cylinders. The goalie split is working out very well with Halak getting his fair share of the, of the starts. And uh, down the road, that's going to be a bonanza boon for these guys because they're going to have a well-rested Tuka Rask once again. Yeah, I mean, I'm waiting for the the age to catch up to the Bruins. It doesn't seem to be happening. I mean, Pasternak scores, and he's a younger guy. He's, I think, 23 years old. He scores four goals last night uh, or, or yesterday in the in the victory. Um, but Marshan Bergeron and Pasternak are. are could be the best line in hockey and vir- are virtually unstoppable. But the Krejci injury, if it's if it's something lingering or long term, is a concern for them because really teams eventually will try to wear down on that top line. And if they don't have some secondary scoring, I know Jake DeBrusque is not scoring very well so far. Um, you know that's gonna that's gonna pose some problems to to Cassidy and and, and the Bruins. Uh, Charlie McAvoy only has one point in six games. I expect a little bit more offensively out of him, but you know. This is a team that's a juggernaut that got to the Stanley Cup Finals last year. So, you know, until they start having those problems, I'm convinced that they'll keep going the way they are. Now, Mike, I want to take a pause here and remind our listeners that they can follow you at Mike in Buffalo and 
Our next team up is the Buffalo Sabres. But I got to ask you, why are you a Leaf fan more than a Sabres fan? Well, you can blame my brother for that. He's older than me. Uh, I was ele- he was 11 years old when the Leafs won in 67. I was sucking my thumb in the crib. Um, so I was alive when they won a cup, but not coherent and not aware. Uh, so I'm hoping that when I am coherent and aware, they do win a cup uh, at you know at some point in the rest of my my uh, b- before I shuffle off this mortal coil. Shuffle, uh, shuffling yeah. off the Buffalo, that's that's an interesting. There, there you go. <laughs> Mike. There's a couple of injuries there on the Sabers uh, uh, list here. Brandon Montour, Zach Bogosian out on the back end, along with Matt Hunwick, Conner Connor Sheary up front. But this team is flying out of the gate, and one of the reasons why is the hot start of Victor Olafson. We had him pegged as a top six guy and he might get a look with Jack Eichel but that's exactly what happened and he's got five points in the bank already and on the back end Rasmus Dahlin in a sophomore year is off and running with seven points in his first five games the guy that's in the doghouse here and and I want your opinion on him is Rasmus Ristolainen one assist in five games played I mean all summer long they were talking about the fact that they might have to move this guy they didn't get around to doing it and it could be holding this team back at some point if they if this guy continues to be in the doghouse and maybe Malin a little bit. I don't know. Well, he's not scoring points, but he has been playing better than he has in the past. Remember, he was the leading plus minus in a negative sense last year at minus 41. So he was terrible last year. Uh, I think he's played better. He's not not scoring points, but Darlene is picking up the offensive uh, uh, burden. He's got, I believe, seven points in five games. Uh, Olsen right now, if he continues to play in the top six, could be a Calder candidate. I, mean, I know that he's been a, a devil on the power play. I, th- I believe four power play goals, maybe five. Um, and and Eichel is playing really well, and so so is Sam Reinhardt. I think the one disappointment right now has been Jimmy Vesey, who they acquired from the Rangers. I they were, think they were looking for you know between fifteen and twenty goals, and he has one assist in six games. So every you know right now nobody is complaining in Buffalo since they're undefeated. But I think. You know, realistically, this the team is hot right now. I think they're going to settle back. I don't think they're a playoff team, but right now they're going great guns. And next up, uh, Canadian club. All the big guns are firing in Calgary, and that's got to be great news for this team uh, to see that the top guns are producing. They had uh, a big-name trade in the offseason where they let James Neal go. We'll talk about him when we get to Ep- Edmonton's story. He's writing a big part of that one. But Milan Lucic uh, came the other way, and he was highly touted, of course. Big-name recognition, but zero points, 26 penalty minutes in his first six games played. Are we just going to see more of the same uh, of his underperformance last year? I I think that will be a big concern in Calgary down the road, uh, particularly with Neil doing as well as he is. The goaltending split is one that I want to talk to you about here. Mm -hmm. Uh, David Riddich is a guy who's had the bulk of the load. Cam Talbot behind him has been a starter in this league before. Uh, Do you see a 50-50 split here, Mike? They need to get some solid goaltending from one of these two guys and be great if both of them come through and compete and push each other all year. Well, early on, it doesn't seem so. Riddich has played, I believe, five games, and I think Talbot's played one. So it seems that that Talbot is the backup, and Riddich, being the incumbent who played there last year with Mike Smith, is going to be the guy that gets most of the work. I don't particularly agree with that. I think Talbot um, should be at least a 50-50 split. Now, the, the thing is, I think this is one of the teams that before the deadline, if neither one provides the goaltending that they need, that, you know, when Ottawa shops Craig Anderson or uh, Chicago shops either Robin Leonard or Corey Crawford, 
uh, or maybe even Jonathan Quick, who has been rumored to be um, possibly on the move from L.A., that Calgary, that Brad Trilliving will be one of the general managers that will be highly interested in a goaltender. But uh, but to your Lucic point, he was done in Edmonton. He's done in Cal. There's there's not much there. What his job is now is to be a physical presence and be an enforcer in in a sense. And he's got 26 penalty minutes in in six games. I I don't think he's an effective NHL forward anymore. I think that deal was what I termed as crap for crap, Neil for for Lucic. And and Neil is benefiting from playing with Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl at times. Uh, I think that'll calm down. But right now, this this deal is really working out for Edmonton and not working out for Calgary. Carolina Hurricanes have an interesting goalie split. I'll, I'll lead off my comments with that situation. Peter Morazic and James Reimer pretty much splitting the role. We called that at the beginning of the season in our preseason podcast, Mike. And I think that's going to be the situation all year. It might be a win-and-you're-in kind of a deal. In front of them, Dougie Hamilton is off to a fantastic start with yeah. eight points in six games. We called that uh, a breakout season for him in terms of maybe a career year offensively, and he's right on pace for that. So good news there. On the downside, Sebastian Ajo made some headlines with the whole offer sheet story in the offseason and off to a bit of a sluggish start with only one goal in six, point, uh, six games played. He and Toivo Teravainen are two of the big names that should lead this offense uh, eventually. And I wonder what your thoughts are on these two guys and the rest of the squad. Well, I mean, Carolina is scoring a lot more than I expected them to. I mean, I, I know that Hamilton has benefited from the Justin Falk trade because now he's has a more prominent role offensively on the right side of their blue line. I mean, their blue line is one of the best in the league uh, with with Slavin and Falk, and uh, you know, I, you, you notice I haven't mentioned Jake Gardner yet. <laughs> Everybody uh, knows that, eh? <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, but Andrei Svechnikov has got eight points, and Teravainen uh, six points, and Eric Halla with five goals so far. So they're getting offense. What the biggest surprise for me, I mean, Ajo will shake loose. He's a really good player. And, and I, I think, you know, anybody who is looking long term at, at, the, at the Hurricanes, Ajo is a, is a good is a good get. But the goaltending, I just don't see holding up right now. You know, Mrazek and Reimer are pl- performing well. I didn't pick Cal- I didn't pick Carolina to make the playoffs. And I, the reason I didn't was because of their goaltending. So if they keep this pace up, I'll be shocked. So I, I, you know, I, I'm not a fan of either one of the goaltenders. They've been inconsistent through most of their careers. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if Carolina makes the playoffs, but I've been surprised before. Well, uh, one of the surprises in the NHL last year was Eric Gustafsson on the Chicago de- defense. I, mm. I bet not many people realize that this guy scored 60 points to lead that team offensively yeah. from the back end, and he's off to a decent start again this year with three points in his first three games played before yesterday's action. Uh, I wonder if Duncan Keith can uh, can help him out by being a, a guy who produces 40-plus points. Uh, again, he's done it many times in his career, but he's at the, the tail end of it. He had two points in his first three games again before yesterday. On the flip side, Jonathan Taves is another guy that's getting a little long in the tooth and, and a little slow out of the gate. They have to be concerned about that, although uh, maybe he can hide behind the fact that Patrick Kane has just uh, picked up where he left off and, and looks to be a threat for maybe even the scoring title again this year. The goalie mix here is one that you touched on, Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford. Leonard was brought in, a bit of a surprise move for me, but I guess insurance against Crawford's injury woes, and uh, I think eventually Leonard's going to take this gig from Crawford. I don't think he, his track record in the last couple of years has me too enthused about being a guy who will pick him up just because of those injury concerns so Leonard's a guy that I lean to in the Chicago goaltending mix what say you 
Um, yes. I mean, there's been some speculation. I remember Elliot Friedman on recent 31 Thoughts podcast referred to there being a contract in the drawer from Stan Bowman regarding Robin Leonard, that he signed a one-year deal and that maybe it, if he plays well, they'll sign him during the season. And I, I can see that. I mean, Crawford, is long, you know, he's won a couple Stanley Cups. He's got that pedigree, but um, he's been in and out of the lineup the last couple of years, and they need the consistency of somebody who can stay healthy. Um, uh, and stable for them to probably for them to stay in the playoff race in the central division. I, I mean, I, I Leonard up until last year was as unstable, unstable, excuse me, as uh, as Crawford in terms of injuries. So you know, maybe they think they can piece something together for this year, and then closer to the deadline, trade the guy that they're not going to re-sign. Uh, as for the other things, I mean, Gustafson is a is a defenseman who's pure offense and not great defensively. But if you're talking about fantasy, uh, you know, fantasy guys and you're not concerned about plus minus he's a guy that you would go after i don't know whether duncan keep Keith can top 40 points again, but I do think that he'll be in the 30s. Uh, if you're going to take one of the two veteran defensemen, him or Seabrook, I would definitely opt towards Keith. And I don't think there's any reason for concern right now that Jonathan Taves only has a point in four games. He's one of the best players in the league. And as we saw last year in the second half, he really turned it on. So I think that'll probably be the case this year. In Colorado, the big line, one of the tops in the league, Landis, Cog, McKinnon, and Brandon. If you got one of those guys in the draft, you probably picked him in the first or second or third round no lower than that they would have all gone by then and they look to be on pace to do the same thing again this year it's behind them that second unit that uh, guys that are in those roles came from uh, parts uh, outside of Colorado last year Donskoy, Kadri and Burakovsky plying their trades elsewhere and Kadri was off to a bit of a sluggish start but I think he's going to have a big year Mike in the second line role here and Donskoy I guess could be his running mate in that regard I think that both of those guys should easily top the 50 point Mark Burakowski, the wild card for me, he hasn't really done that yet in his career, but uh, they certainly have a long rope uh, assigned to them this year, giving them lots of opportunity to to uh, fit into that role and get used to one another. I'm looking for a, a nice set of scoring lines from all those guys. Grubauer in the nets was brought in to stabilize things and. Uh, he was a career backup uh, in in his previous stints, but looks like he's acclimatizing very well to the situation. If he gets hurt, though, Pavel Frank, who's is the guy behind him, not much is known about him, and and that could uh, upset the apple cart. So he he might be the mo- most key piece here in in the Colorado circumstance. You think about this team, all uh, offensive, and then they got some nice pieces on the back end. Kale McCarr it looks like he's he's going to be a guy, candidate for the Rookie of the Year honors if he continues the hot start that he's on. And Samuel Gerrard is a guy who I've been waiting on to become a front line defender here. He's got the uh, top line minutes uh, with Eric Johnson, a very good partnership with. The stable veteran there so they got a lot of nice things to look forward to but Grubauer for me is the wild card here this is a team a couple years ago that you looked at their defense and said it was Eric Johnson Tyson Berry and a bunch of crap and now really it's it's you know you got an Eric Johnson you have Zadorov now you have two young guys in Makar and, and Girard you have Bowen Byram who they drafted in the first round this year I mean they're they're going to be an unbelievable defense and they're already pretty good um now Kadri did not get off to a slow start he did get his first goal on the weekend he had a goal and two assists yesterday against Washington so I think he's starting to fit in and I think you know we we know from seeing him in Toronto he's more of a number two center where he can score and get under the skin of the opposition number three center was not a fit for him just being more of a defensive guy so the fit in toronto wasn't good anymore after the uh, Tavares signing uh burakovsky 
was it was opportunity in Washington more than anything. He's got a lot of talent. The only concern I have with the with the Avalanche, and I think they're one of the teams that could come out of the West, is Grubauer. Now he's doing well right now. He, good save percentage. He's I believe three and zero. But they have to be concerned. I mean, Pavel Frankuz is a backup. He played in the KHL for a few years. Uh, he's twenty nine years old, so he probably is what he is. I don't think he's going to be stepping in. Uh, and if in for Grubauer, if Grubauer, you know, lets the side down. So if, if Grubauer struggles, they might be another team that goes after a goaltender before the deadline. Mike, in Dallas, uh, there were some uh, key signings in the offseason that were name recognition types. Joe Pavelski, Corey Perry. Perry has yet to hit the ice for this team. His debut is scheduled possibly for later this week. I don't know that he can be the scoring machine that he was at Anaheim anymore. He's just got way too many miles on him. But Pavelski is a guy that should fit in here as a really nice offensive piece. They've got him slotted in on the top line with Tyler Sagan. But it's the left winger on that line that I'm wondering about. Jason Dickinson, not a big track record here. And Jamie Ben is the guy that I think eventually should be slotted back in here. But Ben had a tough season last year, uh, mm-hmm. s- suddenly slumped to like a point range in the 50s. And he's on pace to do the same thing again this year. I, th- I wonder what's going on with him. Uh, Rupe Hintz is a guy that they're trying Trying to, uh, trying to find a, a spot for him, and it looks like he's l- slotted in as a second-line center here. Alex Radulov has been a, a solid soldier for these guys, too, and, and really a, a daily fantasy gem. Usually he's underpriced, I find, uh, for the value that he brings to the table on a nightly basis. They got some injuries on the back end here. Steph- Stephen Johns can't seem to shake the concussion issues that he had last year, but Roman Pollock, a pretty serviceable guy on the back end, is out of lineup, too, with a scary, what was a scary-looking injury that he sustained, and uh, but it's uh, they got a four-pack uh, at the top of that defensive structure with Lindell, Heiskanen, Klingberg, and Sakara that ha- all have some offensive upside to them. Uh, Klingberg should be one of the top-scoring defensemen in the league again. So there are some offensive pieces here. They've got a nice goaltending tandem in Bishop and Kudon, but I think this team is primed for a pretty good year. Yeah, the, I looked at Dallas before the year and thought that they had a good chance um, at least to make the playoffs and then possibly go further based on the health of Ben Bishop, which has always been a, a problem because he's always you know, had durability issues. Now they have a backup in Kadobin who can spell him for a little bit, but also depth in their offense. You know, they, they had that, they at times put that one line together of Radulov, Sagan and Ben, and, and then there was nothing else afterward. Now they signed Pavelski in the off season and Pavelski has one assist in seven games and they made a little problem settling in maybe um now that's being made up by hints who's having a who's having a really good start and he's i i saw this kid play uh against the marlies in the calder cup final a couple years ago and he was a, he was a presence at that point and now he's showing that he's going to be a presence in the nhl uh, with me the, the question is going to be just depth if, they, if their depth scores they will be in the playoffs if they don't and it's incumbent on Ben and Sagan and Radulov to carry the ball, then they may be a bubble team. But their defense is really good. Their goaltending is excellent. If he stays healthy, they just need depth of scoring. Uh, Detroit Red Wings are up next, Mike. And before we get into this team, I wanted to send a personal note to uh, Jimmy DeVolano. He underwent surgery yesterday, a successful surgery for a benign brain tumor. And uh, I understand that all things all went very well. He's been a great friend of mine and yours for years and a wonderful guy in the hockey world. And uh, seven Stanley Cup rings to his credit. We wish him the best for a complete and speedy recovery. And we want to get him on PuckCast soon. I know he, he is a regular listener and contributor for us. And I really value his contribution and his friendship 
it for sure. So uh, happy to hear the good outcome, Jimmy, and uh, here's to a complete and speedy recovery for you. The, the Red Wings, uh, Mike, they've assembled a pretty interesting core of offensive pieces. A, a number of youngsters dot the top six, but I'm surprised that Luke Glendening is getting some ice time on the second line at right wing here. A uh, bit of a shocker to me, in fact, because I had him pegged for fourth line duty. But when you look at the alternatives, uh, who among those bottom six guys could sneak up and, and take that role? Maybe Evgeny Svechnikov eventually could uh, could slide up there. But uh, Taro Hyros, Tyler Batuzzi, these are guys that didn't factor into too much of the offense last year, but they're going to get key opportunities early on. And the defense is starting to get a bit of a makeover, too, with the arrival of Dennis Chalowski, and particularly Philip Ronick is a guy that I'm keeping an eye on. He has some power play upside here, and uh, I think could be a guy that threatens the 40-point mark in the, in the scoring race for the defensemen. Uh, the goaltending is in capable hands, I'll say, in terms of veteran presence, but uh, they're not guys that you would rate in the top 10 around the league. Jimmy Howard getting the lion's share of the, the load, but Jonathan Bernier is a pretty good insurance back there as well. In spite of their good start, I mean, I picked Detroit to finish at the bottom of the Atlantic Division. Now, they do have a great number one line with Bertuzzi, Larkin, and and Anthony Mantha, who's, you know, he had a four-goal performance and has played really well so far. Um, you know, Ronick has taken a step forward on defense, and they've really needed that because they are they have a lot of age on that blue line. One of the guys who I think, and the, what Steve Eiserman is trying to do here, I think he's trying to get some of the veteran players to play as well as they can before the deadline and then try to trade a lot of them. Uh, Abdul Cater, Darren Helm, I think Glenn Denning is another guy that might uh, be dealt. Uh, Mike Green has zero points in five games. They have Green, Erickson, and Trevor Daly on the on the uh, blue line that are all over the age of 33. Uh, these are guys that they can trade for rentals. This is a rebuilding team, and we see that Iserman has kept all of his young kids down in Grand Rapids, and that makes a lot of sense. That that it that aims this team towards a tank job, and that's where I think they're going. Well, one guy we've got to talk about at some point, and uh, we've alluded to him earlier, is James Neal. Eight goals already in six games played on fire, making that trade uh, in the offseason look like heavily uh, positive sure. in Edmonton's favor. Uh, you wonder if he can keep it up. I had him pegged for a bit of a rebound season, about 25 goals is what I projected, but he's going to smash that by the All-Star break if he keeps mm -hmm. this up. And getting top six minutes and playing on the power play with the likes of Dreisaitl and McDavid should juice his numbers. But in terms of regular shift, he's now slotted in as a second line right wing next to Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and that's not a bad landing spot because Hopkins is a very uber-skilled offensive type player. Rounding out that unit is Thomas Yurko. So in terms of fantasy value, the names that I want to highlight here are Yurko and Cassian. Cassian is holding down the right wing spot on that top line with McDavid and Dreisaitl. So anytime those two names are, are up there on the top line, you wonder who the third guy is. And automatically he has a, def a DFS upside in terms of daily fantasy uh, play. Uh, on the back end, Darnell Nurse uh, is paired with young Ethan Bear. A lot of ex is expected of Bear, but I think it might be too soon to mm -hmm. expect him to be a big-time point producer here. He's going to be well insulated, though, by one of the best two-way defensemen in, in the league. Oscar Clefbaum is a guy with a lot of offensive upside too uh, Mike and I think now that they seem to be firing on all cylinders offensively this is a guy that could really benefit on the back end the goalie split uh, Mike Smith holding off uh, Miko Koskinen in the early going but I think by the end of the season it should be close to a 50-50 split here what say you about what's going on in Edmonton 
Well, Edmonton is the prototype of what I would call fool's gold when it comes to, I mean, everything is going right. And if you look at their team right now, and if you look going into the season, I mean, obviously Dreisaitl, McDavid's the best player in the NHL. Dreisaitl is one of the top scores in the league. Nugent Hopkins is an excellent player. You know, they have a couple good defensemen with the cleft bomb and nurse uh, Larson got hurt, but the after the depth on this roster is non-existent and right now as you mentioned they're getting points out of zach cassian they're getting points uh out of james neal that nobody expected is this real no i i don't think it is i picked this team to miss the playoffs i picked them to finish sixth in in, in the pacific division 16 goals against in six games is not realistic in spite of the fact that you know dave Tippett is an excellent defensive coach there's just not a lot of there there so um Yes, they got off to a great start. Yes, they're playing great defense. Yes, they're scoring like crazy. Do I expect that to continue? No. I agree with you, Mike. That's a great breakdown. The Florida Panthers, this is a team that last year we highlighted the top uh, forwards there, Huberto and Barkov, regularly among the top minute-playing guys per game in the league, and they've continued that pace. Evgeny Dadanov was a bit of a secret early on last year. That secret is out, and he's uh, he's locked in at the right wing, and that, again, is one of the top uh, trios in the entire league. Mike Hoffman is a guy, you plug and play this guy, he seems to be a guy that can get 25 to 30 goals wherever you put him on the roster. Off to mm-hmm. a nice start there, and paired up with Vinny Trocek, who is one of the better distributors among centers in the NHL. If he can only stay healthy, that will solidify the second unit. And the beneficiary there on the early going is Brett Connolly with five points so far this season. He'll be pushed by Henrik Borgstrom to hold on to that top six role. But other than that, it's depth forwards down the line here behind them. Uh, on the defensive side of the puck, a couple of years ago, Aaron Ekblad was being described as a lock for the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, certainly, that's a lot of uh, expectation on a guy who was a former number one pick in the NHL draft. And his yeah. offensive upside seems to have disappeared uh, in the last year and a half. I wonder if he can rebound a little bit. And uh, in the meantime, certainly Keith Yandel is carrying the mail offensively. Kind of a bit of a secret in terms of the, the, when you name the top uh, scoring defenseman in the league, Yandel has been up there consistently for the last eight or nine years, and yet you don't hear too much talk about him. And behind them, Sergei Bobrovsky brought in with a big contract and uh, holding down the goaltending situation. Uh, there's pressure on him to perform here in a division that has a lot of great goalies, though, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, Florida, I expected them to, to fight for a fourth playoff spot to come out of the Atlantic. Uh, you know, the additions that they made during the offseason, not only Bobrovsky, but Achari and Brett Connolly would add to their the depth of their forward depth and, and, uh, and, and adding Anton Strawman on defense. But so far, and this is one of the concerns with a Joel Quenville team. Joel Quenville, sometimes players who you think are going to play well for him don't play well for him. Yandel in the past has been a power play guy, has been a scoring fiend. He only has two points in six games. Now, maybe there's an adjustment period, but sometimes you get a Quenville, a guy like Trevor Daly gets traded to Chicago, and he doesn't work out, and they end up moving him someplace else. So there's going to be a settling in right now with, with the Panthers. Um, you know, they're, They have excellent forwards. 
Uh, Bobrovsky has struggled early on. Uh, they've struggled defensively. He's two two and one with an eight seventy save percentage. They, if they if they face a ton of shots and they overwork Bobrovsky, they really don't have a number two right now. Their backup is Samuel Montemblant, so it, it, it's not exactly a uh, experienced backup. So they're going to need to play better defensively and lighten the load on Bobrovsky. Otherwise, they're going to be in trouble. In L.A., this is a team that really is in trouble, and we all pick yeah. them to be a non-playoff team. The veteran guys here, uh, this is a, a core that got a year older, and they're already all over 30 years of age. And yet, out of the gate, the, the likes of Kopitar, Kovalchuk, and Doughty are producing eight, six, and five points, respectively. Jeff Carter, not along for that ride, with one point in, in his early start this season. And Jonathan Quick has been terrible in the Nets. And despite that, he's been the subject of some trade rumors, as you alluded to, Mike. Maybe a change of scenery will be the, the thing that helps him out, particularly if it lands on a better team. So you might want to keep an eye out for, on that. But I wonder if there's any youngsters around the corner that, that we should be looking at. Uh, one other name that I'll throw out, though, is, is Tyler Toffoli. He's a younger guy than the, the 30-plus guys that I mentioned and really has lost the offensive flair that he displayed uh prior to last season he's been struggling and the struggles continue early on this season yeah, I mean, you're, you may see as the year goes along, guys like Ayafalo and Adrian Kempe step up and get more of a role on this team. Um, I mean, obviously, this is a rebuilding situation. They bring in uh, Todd McClellan as the new coach, uh, replacing John Stevens, and there's just not a lot of there there. I mean, you've got core players like Kopitar and Doughty who are not ancient, and they're still good players, but they're just surrounded by... I think age and players whose skill is deteriorating. Uh, Tyler Toffoli is a UFA at the end of this year. He's probably going to be a guy that gets traded at the deadline. Uh, Jeff Carter has, is not even the same player he was a couple years ago. Now, quick, his goals against is 6.43 right now. He's 0-3-0. They have two young goaltenders. Uh, well, Jack Campbell is his backup. He's not exactly uh, a, a spring chicken. Cal Peterson, they signed as a free agent. He's a really good goaltender. Center playing in their playing in the AHL, that to me sets up a possibility of of quick getting moved uh, if a team is willing to take a con, uh, his contract with I think three years left at five point eight million bucks. But this is a this is a team that's going to finish at the bottom of the Pacific Division. They're not good anymore. They're not deep anymore. They're not fast anymore, and that's the problem. In Minnesota, the problem has been the name recognition guys in daily fantasy that catch my attention are all defensemen. And you can add one name to the list in the early going. That's Brad Hunt. He came from nowhere to produce four points in the first four games this year to get mentions in line with the likes of Spurgeon and Suter, who are doing the same thing they always do, and that's produced in the 40-plus point range in terms of scoring every year. A couple of veteran guys off to slow starts is Zach Parise and Matt Zuccarello. Zuccarello is a guy that I thought would have a big year here, Mike. He's been a solid point producer throughout his career, and I thought he'd be a fixture on the power play, a point producer among their top six. Not happening so far. And another youngster who I thought had a chance to do something special here was Ryan Donato. He's been pointless as well in the early going. So the offensive upside rides with the defenseman again, and uh, do you think that these forwards can deliver the goods and hold up their end of the bargain? 
Well, I mean, I know that uh, I mean, it was Paul Fenton who acquired uh, Donato in the trade with for Charlie Coyle and Zuccarello was it was a Fenton signing, and now Bill Guerin comes in and has to sort of clean up some of the mess. Uh, I mean, I thought Zuccarello was a good signing. I just think I thought that this team was going in the direction of the rebuild, but apparently ownership doesn't want to rebuild with you know Suter and Parise still um, making a ton of money and are still viable players. But you know, I, I just I, I'm unsure sure about I, like if I picked Minnesota to finish dead last in, in the central not to say that they're a bad team and I like Bruce Boudreaux but you know, compared to some of the other teams in that division they have a lot of holes their defense is, is pretty decent you know Dumba is going to score um, and so is Spurgeon but uh, you know they need offense out of guys like Zuccarello who played really well for Dallas last year and Donato played well and has offensive skill after he got traded but they're not doing it so far in montreal this is a team to me that is is hanging on by a thread uh, as a contending team but you have to like the early starts of jonathan drewen and thomas tatar tatar had a breakout season in montreal last year and seems to have continuing that but drewen with six points to me is the biggest surprise and a positive one there in the montreal story they are expecting big things eventually from Nick Suzuki. It might be a little too early to put that, those expectations on him. He has one point in the early going. And uh, Paul Byron is a guy that they hope to ha- be a contributor. He's been up and down the lineup. Right now, he's dropped down to a fourth-line role. But he needs to be higher than that in order for this team to be successful, I think. Jordan Wheel is a guy that surprises me uh, in a top-six role here. But he's just plugging in as a placeholder till uh, Suzuki gets his traction, I think. Suzuki's mm-hmm. been dropped to the fourth line. And uh, on the positive side, Brendan Gallagher looks like a, a fantasy stud. The pr- production that they're getting out of him in the early going is very positive. And on the defense, if Shea Weber gets hurt, this team's in huge trouble, I think, Mike. Yeah, I mean, if, if, from a fantasy perspective, there's a lot of players here who are sort of, sort of undervalued. Guys like Dano, Armia, Lackanen all have four points right now. Tatar has five. Domi has five. Um, you know, they're not big scorers. I don't know if it's if it's going to last. I mean, I'm skeptical. I, I didn't. I picked Montreal to not finish in the playoffs, and right now they're they're playing pretty well. Uh, I think they're heavily reliant on Carey Price and Kincaid giving them good goaltending, and as you said, Weber and uh, to a lesser extent Jeff Petrie on the blue line. Uh, I just don't know whether they're for real. I you know they do have a couple really good players. You know, Domi seems to really have gravitated towards playing in Montreal. I think he he thrives off of it and feeds off of it but i you know i'm skeptical of duran duran has been really inconsistent over his years in, in montreal um so I, I i'd keep a watchful eye on this team but if i had to bet them or if i had to gamble on this i would say they're not making the playoffs up next we look at the nashville predators and boy it's been a long time since we talked about a one-two punch at center here maybe never mike but matt duchene's often firing uh Everything's going in for this guy. He's got nine points in five games already. Ryan Johansson behind him, seven points in five games. That's excellent production from the one-two. The guy that's losing out here is Kyle Touris. When he came over, I thought this would be a great landing spot for him, but he has lost out, and now he's relegated to fourth-line duty. So the fantasy uh, loser here in that regard, and loser in terms of real opportunity, I would say. But it's the wings where there's room for improvement. Among the winger combinations, only Philip Forsberg and Victor Arvidsson inspire me. Mark, my, Mikhail 
Granlin kind of fallen off the expectations that I had from last year. And then it's guys that are placeholders like Callie Yarncroft and Craig Smith, guys who will be life and death to get between 30 and 40 points on the season. There is some defensive upside on the uh, DFS upside on the back end with Yossi, Ellis, and Eckholm. The name recognition types we've come to know, Eckholm, per, for me, gets the better opportunity to elevate his profile, but Ellis is the guy that really will benefit from the fact that, that uh, P.K. PK Subban is onto greener pastures. Mm-hmm. Dante Fabro is the, the winner in terms of getting the fourth opportunity to be in the top four defensemen here, and so maybe he is a, a sneaky good value back there. The goaltending situation, a bit in flux for me. Pekka Rinne, I think, has been sliding down the depth chart in terms of top goalies in the league, and uh, he'll be pushed this year by UC Saros, who eventually will be the number one guy here. He's done enough to merit that consideration when he will look long-term for the Nashville Fortunes. Yeah, in terms of the defense, I think, I mean, Faber only has one point in five games, but I think he's offensively a, a better player than that. And he's a young guy, so it may take him a while, but that he would be a good long-term investment in terms of a guy who you think will score points. But I'm I'm skeptical whether Saros is a future number one. I know that he's a smaller goaltender. They need him to play games because Pekka Rene is getting up there in age, and Rene has played well so far. Saros is 0-2-0 with a 5.1 goals against, and this is a team that's having success so if he continues to pl- struggle like that then they're going to have to overplay Rene to make the playoffs and you don't want a goalie in his mid to late 30s to play 60 games <laughs> we know of a team in in, in uh, southern Ontario that has a goaltender that's going to play 60 games and he's only 30 years old and you don't want that but so they're going to need Saros to, to, to firm up a little bit the New Jersey Devil is a team that a lot of people had high expectations for early on, and it was largely because of the projected 1-2 at center that they would put out there. And Nico Heischer, two points in five games. Jack Hughes, the number one draft pick in the NHL, zero for five. You wonder if maybe they're going to take some pressure off this guy and let him let him have a stint in uh, back in the minors or in junior, whatever they can, to just hide him from the pressures that he's feeling in the NHL level right now here, Mike. I don't know about if he has any junior eligibility left. You'd maybe speak to that point. The goalie split here, you can call into question. I thought Mackenzie Blackwood would certainly push uh, Corey Schneider, but uh, the early returns are not good there, and Schneider is hanging on to that role. He's a guy that's had injury troubles in the past. He needs to be healthy. I th- uh, one of the guys that I think has sneaky good value here on the back end is Damon Severson. Slowly but surely, this guy who I started to watch in the American Hockey League and he impressed me as a power play quarterback. He's fit into that role here in Jersey and he'll be pushed by P.K. Subban. I don't think you'll see any team go with a two-defenseman look. So they may alternate here during the course of the season, one guy handling one unit and one guy handling the other. The advantage that Severson has is that P.K. Subban may split some time with Sammy Vatanen, another guy who has an offensive upside on the back end there. And then uh, the rest of the offense here, I have to be disappointed in the likes of Pavel Zaka and Jesper Bratt. They are relegated to four line duty in order for this team to succeed i think those two guys who have an offensive upside need to play higher in the lineup and produce wayne simmons was a guy who was potentially going to push for top six minutes he's right now holding down third line minutes so i think there's a couple of guys in the bottom six that can push the top six and need to in terms of this offense turning things around in the early going 
Yeah, I think one of the disappointments in terms of offense from the blue line, I mean, I expect Severson to, to score as usual, you know, 25 to 30 points, maybe a little more, is Will Butcher, who, you know, was a contender for the Calder his rookie year, and, uh, you know, he only has one point in six games. But the, the Devils have been a disappointment across the board, and I, I, I think they did Hughes a little bit of a disservice. I know that uh, in speaking to people who have been at Devils games and seen them play, that they put Hughes with Blake Coleman and and Wayne Simmons they have him playing with with bigger players maybe sort of to protect him since he's a smallish player you know he's a very speedy very creative forward and you need to put him with scoring forwards and right now I don't think they're doing that now, I don't know what his junior uh, his rights were probably with some uh, junior team but he came out of the U.S. developmental league right. so I don't know whether he qualifies to go down to the AHL or not but I, I think they're going to give him a long a long look before they look for options he's a very talented player. I just think this is sort of a settling in issue, but they're not getting good performances out of all the guys that they brought in. Subban, only two assists in six games. Wayne Simmons was brought in on a one-year contract. He's only got one assist. Uh, Taylor Hall, you know, they're going to have to make a decision on pretty soon because he's a UFA at the end of the year. He's motivated to score because he's, he's, He's singing for his supper, but the question is whether you know that means success for the Devils or if that means he's just looking for a ticket out of town. Mike, we followed the career of Lou Lamorello for a long time, and it seems important to him that a top-flight goalie in place. He tried to bring in somebody to help the situation out here in terms of the insertion of Varlamov into the goalie split with Thomas Grice. So far, Grice is outperforming him, though, and uh, this team is uh, kind of middling at 3-3 three and three so far. And uh, a large reason why is a couple of other players underperforming here. The back end of this team is a is a grouping that I think should be a little bit better than they are. Pelic and Pullock, uh, I love saying that tandem. They mm. they emerged last year as a pretty credible uh, defensive pairing at both ends of the ice. Nick Letty, though, fell off the map in terms of a scoring defenseman. And Johnny Boychuk seems to have lost a step here. So there's some real questions on the back end here. Uh, Michael Del Colley is a guy that I have... Uh, an affinity for being a local product here that I have some familiarity with and he's getting a look on the second line but early returns not very positive so far he hasn't been held off the score sheet I'd like to see him get a a little bit of uh, a push here and continue in that role but he has to score to earn it Uh, the fact of the matter is the right side is struggling because Jordan Eberle has not held on to the top uh, top six role with any uh, credibility I'll say given that given the guy's been a scoring prodigy and a junior and then kind of underwhelmed as a pro I'll say and this was a good opportunity for him to excel just hasn't grabbed it Anders Lee uh, as as uh, assume the captaincy here he's a good player could be a great one partnered with Matthew Barzell that's a pretty dynamic duel Thomas Kuhnhackel is a wild card here on the first line right wing that gives speaks to the lack of depth on the forward ranks when you put a guy like him in that role Mike yeah, I mean, I, I'm I was skeptical going into the season that the Islanders could repeat the success of last year. They really rode the hot goaltending of Robin Leonard in the second half. Uh, if you look at their you know their defense, I mean, I agree with especially Pulak uh, with his big shot from the point being a, a point producer. But right now, with all the money that they're spending on Boychuk and Letty and let between the two of them, I think it's eleven million dollars in salary, and you got two points in 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 six games. Uh, the leading defense 
offensive scorer is Devin Taves, who I believe is a college free agent. So, you know, they're, they, they've kept uh, Noah Dobson, who's an excellent young prospect, but I'm not sure if he's ready for the NHL. And really, I've always questioned the, their depth of scoring, especially after losing Tavares. And so far through six games, you know, their leading scorer doesn't even have a point per game. So, I, again, I, 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 I don't I didn't like the acquisition of Varlamov. He's had injury problems his entire career. And if they're resorting to Thomas Grace as their number one, then I think uh, that team is in trouble. And uh, the Rangers were a team that I thought were going to be in trouble. But I like the makeover that they started late last season and into the offseason here. Panarin and Truba, new names in the mix, star power too, and they're producing four points each in the first three games that this club has played. Mika Zibanejad figured to be an offensive catalyst, and he is doing exactly that with eight points in the early going. It's the goalie mix here that I want to talk a little bit about, though, Mike, with right. uh, Alexander Georgiev pushing longtime incumbent, the King Henrik Lundqvist in the Nets. Lundqvist has earned two of the first three starts, given up seven goals. Georgiev allowed only one in his uh, first outing. So I think this is a situation where Georgiev is clearly the heir apparent. Lundqvist getting a little long in the tooth in the late 30s. A big ticket item here and uh, ready to ride off into the sunset. But I think he'd like to have a long playoff run with this team before he does hang them up. If they produce like they are in the early going, I like that this, this team's chances as a surprise participant in the postseason. Yeah, it, it's tough to evaluate what's going on with the Rangers right now because they've only played three games. Every every other team has played five or six or seven, yeah. and they've only played three. But, you know, Zabinijad has gotten off to a great start. Panarin has four points. Um the goaltending situation—it's an embarrassment of riches. They only not only have Georgiev, they have Shishurkin, who they brought over from the KHL, who's in Hartford right now. But we've heard that uh, that Lundqvist wants to play until he's forty-four. I think he's like Tom Brady; he wants to play until he's forty-five. <laughs> he probably won't be able to make eight million bucks at that point. But you know, I'm sure they would probably want to keep him around if he keeps playing the way he has played. Um, that that being said, you know, they traded Nemestikov to Ottawa because he was not going to get playing time and he was making four million bucks um i I like some of their defensemen they brought in they brought in truba and he's and he's played well as their number one a little concern with anthony d'angelo who uh, only has one point in three games and is a minus four uh and adam fox who they they signed uh who has no points but it's again it's really early there's a lot of talent here um i think you're going to see some changes in the lineup they have a they have a big pending ufa in in chris Kreider who they haven't re-signed yet he's got two points in three games he will try to put up big numbers either to get an extension from the rangers or uh to sell his wares next july but this is a talented team and i think they're making the playoffs the uh, Ottawa Senators, this is a team that a lot of people have started calling the Maple Leafs North here. They've got a four-pack of former Leaf players in the mix, and I'm happy to see Connor Brown get second-line minutes. I figure this guy, as a top-six player here, should easily be a candidate for 20 goals, and he's getting special teams time. So he was a guy that probably could have been gone in, in the later part of most season-long drafts, and he'll give you a good return. Tyler Ennis has moved up and down the lineup. He's ticketed right now for first-line minutes on that right wing. A bit of a surprise to me. Bobby Ryan is a guy who has uh, needs to produce to make people stop talking about the big ticket that he brings to the table. Three points in his first four games. 
uh, mm -hmm. before yesterday. And uh, I think he needs to play top six minutes to be effective. You'll get a look on the power play. Uh, they got a bit of an ups uptick with the arrival of Vladislav Nemestikov in an early season trade. He's produced well in early returns, insulating uh, Anthony Duclair, who has been a bit of a wild card throughout his NHL career. He's going to get top six minutes, but Nemestikov can push him for that role. They got a star in the making in Brady Tuchuk on the right wing, on the left wing on that top line. I'm really a big fan of his, as mm -hmm. I am of Thomas Shabbat on the back end. But Chabot's uh, fantasy up value uh, could be called into question just because this team doesn't figure to score a lot this season, and he'll be hard-pressed to duplicate the fantastic offense, offensive numbers that he produced last year. And I'm a little bit stymied to explain the goaltending mix here. Why are they leaning so hard on Craig Anderson when Anders Nilsson is a guy who, to me, has shown flashes of being a capable guy to handle a heavier workload? He's much younger than Anderson, and they've got to see what they've got here. Yeah, I'm starting with the defense. I mean, Shabbat probably won't get as many points as he did last year, but he's an excellent offensive defenseman. He'll get plenty of ice time. He'll get power play time. Um, he's averaging over 26 minutes a night right now. I think they'll lighten up on that a little bit, but you know, he's going to be the guy. Him and Eric Brandstrom, the rookie, are probably going to get the most offense on their blue line. The goaltending to me is simple. They're pumping up Craig Anderson's value to trade him before the deadline. He's an unrestricted free agent. Um, they've traded everybody else who hasn't been nailed down on that <laughs> roster so they're gonna they're gonna do the same thing with him they're also gonna do that with Nemestikov who they who they acquired from the Rangers for a draft pick they're gonna pull it's smart in terms of what Pierre Dorian is doing in, uh, in terms of some of the young players instead of uh, having Drake Batherson getting his head beaten in in the NHL let him mature in the AHL along with some of the other young guys like Logan Brown let them play in, in Belleville bring in some veteran guys who can who can eat up minutes who can uh you know who are nhl players they're on short-term deals nemestikov will likely be traded maybe artem and isimov who they got in the deal with for zach smith uh, over the summer maybe in the same boat maybe even ron hainsey who they signed to a one-year deal um but that's where i think this team is at they're they're letting their some of their young players who are ready for the nhl like brady kachuk and colin white play big minutes same thing with Brandstrom and Shabbat um, and with with others who they don't think are ready. They're letting them slowly mature in the American Hockey League. But this team is going to finish at the bottom of the Atlantic Division. So, you know, it's not going to make much difference. In Philadelphia, Mike, I got to preface my remarks by saying I've been taking hits from Flyer fans for years on this podcast just because I have been maligning their goaltending situation. But you'll back me up here. It's been a mystery here. And then that's since the late Pelly Lindbergh. But I think they've finally solved that saga with Carter Hart looking like the real deal. Only five goals against and three games played. I think he's going to get a heavy workload and he's going to deliver the goods for this team. So there you go, Flyers fans. Your goaltending is finally in good hands. Travis Konechny uh, adds another interesting piece up front. He's off to a flying start with six points in his first three games and I'm a big fan of his just as I am of Kevin Hayes. I thought that was a good addition in Philadelphia to strengthen their center, center ice depth. I'm a little disappointed that Nolan Patrick's run into a tough time early in his career and right now he's on the IR with no uh, immediate indication for how long he's going to be out it could be a week or two at least and uh, I'm hoping that he can right the ship because he was a former uh, top draft pick uh, highly regarded and would be a nice offensive piece here to plug in but one guy who's emerged as a as a fixture here in the middle of the ice is Sean Couturier he's just continuing to what he did what he did last year uh, a breakout season I think he's going to have another nice season this season Oscar Lindblom could be the big winner on the left wing uh, because JBR has lost a step offensively 
He's uh, back where he was in Toronto, building third-line minutes and being a power play specialist. But Lindblom has a chance to get that regular shift on the second line and could see a bit of a fantasy bump in his offensive production. On the back end, the, the fantasy value is with Shane Gostisbehere and Ivan Provorov. Pro- Provorov's holding up his end of the bargain, but Gostisbehere looks like he's, uh, he's fallen off the pace late last season, and he's continued that early this season, uh, underproducing to the level that I expect from him. Yeah, I mean, their goaltending situation, I was sort of very skeptical regarding calling up Hart last year at 20 years old and putting him into the situation where eight goalies played on that team. Uh, but he is he played well last year. He's sort of early on has provided stability and he may be the you know the next carry price. If if he is then it was it was a smart move, but uh, I'm still a little I mean one one good thing they brought in LA and Vino and Vino you know usually has a team playing responsible defensively and that helps a young goaltender. Him and you know, I'm sure Brian Elliott will probably play 25 to 30 games, and they won't over uh, burden Hart with a, a heavy workload. But if they're in the playoff race later in the year, then he's probably going to play a lot of games. The JVR thing is interesting. We started to see signs of this, Paul, when at the end of his term in Toronto, he was losing a step. He was still capable, but he gets that long, big, ter- big long-term contract from the from the from the from the Flyers, making I believe close to seven million bucks, yeah. and. He, you know, right now he has no points in three games, and I've heard that there has been some um, philosophical divide between him and Elaine Vino. You know, if he slows up too much, then that that contract becomes an albatross around their neck. Now, Gostaspier only has. It's tough to evaluate the, the Flyers right now because they've only played three games, and Gostaspier has no points. But I would think that him and Provorov will probably be at the same offensive level uh, at the end of the year. In Pittsburgh, the shocking news for them is the injury woes for Evgeny Malkin that we're used to seeing in the second half of the NHL seasons in the last five years. They've crept into the situation early this season. He's got a lower body hurt right now on a rather innocuous play that I saw. Mm-hmm. Projecting to be out between six to ten weeks. That's horrible news for the Penguins. Puts a bit of a burden on uh, Sidney Crosby. But Sid, the kid has answered the bell with ten points in six games. And, man, if he can drag this team into the playoffs without Evgeny Malkin, he's got my vote for the Hart Trophy right now, Mike. i got to say that. And a guy that's going to play a helping hand in this is another veteran, Chris Letang. Among the league leaders, again, in scoring from a defenseman, I'm really happy to see this because this guy has had a terrible string of luck with injury and health issues over the last couple of years. And Last year, he rebounded nicely, playing almost a full season, and hopefully he does again this year. And he, If he does, he'll rank among the scoring leaders from defense. They're getting a surprising performance from the, the kid Lafferty on the depth chart here. Sam Lafferty, he's been up and down in terms of the early going uh, and produced well offensively. I don't know why they've relegated him to fourth-line duty, but that's what our rotowire depth charts show right now and so keep a, uh, an eye on that situation a situation in flux patrick hornquist and dominic simone holding down the top six uh, positions on the right flank of course the right wing on the top line is the one that's the key with crosby and gunsel if you or i are playing there mike we got dfs value for sure uh, <laughs> matt murray question mark in, in goal for me though uh, he needs he's another guy that's battled injury issues and needs to stay healthy because he's another one of those goalies that will push the 60 games played mark and he needs to for this team to be successful. 
Yeah, Lafferty, um, he had a good year last year in the American Hockey League with scranton Wilkesbury, 49 points, four-year guy at Brown University. So he's taking advantage of his opportunity in five points in four games. I mean, right now you have to say that that the that Pittsburgh is behind the eight ball because it's not only Malkin. Galchenyuk is hurt. Bukestad is hurt. Rust is on LTIR. So is Malkin. If they can survive this, if they can get to Christmas and still be in the race, they have a chance. Now, I don't know how how they're going to keep going with you know guys like Lafferty and Hornquist and Zach Aston Reese having to carry more of the offensive burden than than they've uh, than they were expected to. But if they can do it, and they and Crosby remains to be an unstoppable player. Uh, then they have a chance. They'll need Matt Murray to perform well. And like you said, he gets injured every single year (laughs) without fail. I mean, there's the sun rises, the sun set and sets and Matt Murray gets hurt. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm I'm waiting for that to happen. Hopefully it doesn't because I, I like him as a goaltender, but it just seems to happen all the time. St. Louis Blues, the defending Stanley Cup champions, are they showing any signs of uh, the Blas after winning the Stanley Cup? I don't think so in the early going. They only lost one game in regulation, and the veterans are leading the pack offensively. Braden Shen, Ryan O'Reilly, each with seven points in their first six games. Sammy Blay is a guy who's emerged, though, as a piece. He had a fantastic playoff last year, and a success is continuing into the early season with five points in six games played i'm sure he was a late round pick in your fantasy drafts and if you got him you got some pretty good value going there david perron is a guy that i think could have a big year here if he stays healthy that's a big if because he's been uh, dealing with injuries the last couple of years as well but while healthy he's got five points in six games to give you a taste of what he's capable of vlad tarasenko for me should be one of the top scoring guys in the league uh, mike he's got five points in six games and uh, the guy's a tank, and I don't understand why he's not a 90-point a guy. And uh, he has a chance to do that here in St. Louis, being a, a key part of this offense. But maybe they're just not built that way to be a fire wagon club and they're just more a grind you uh, to a pulp kind of a team when you can figure that they, t- they grinded the Bruins in a seven-game series, out ruining the Boston club. That's more the type of team this, are, this is rather than a fantasy haven. Yeah, I mean, Sammy Blay right now is 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 surprising me because essentially I thought he was just sort of like a worker B type of player, you know, a guy who would go in the corners and 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 beat up people, not as a goon, but as just you know a, a, a sandpaper type player. And you know, he's taking advantage of his opportunity and the fact that Patrick Maroon left for uh, greener pastures in, in Tampa and t- maybe taking over uh, his role. Uh, remember Tarasenko, first half of last year, there was some tra- trade talk with him when they were when they were at the bottom of the league. Tarasenko was not having a, a, a great year. There was a philosophical, philosophical difference with him and, and Mike Yo, the former coach. And then in the second half and in the playoffs, he turned it on. I mean, this team is loaded. Uh, I like the deal that they made to get Justin Falk. They re-signed him, uh, extended him, and he's only got two points in six games, but I'm sure there's a little settling in there. Uh, now, uh, this won't have fantasy ramifications, but we know that Alex Pietrangelo is entering the final year of his contract, and that may motivate him to be a little more offensive he's got three points in six games but this is a good team they're a playoff team jordan bennington looks like he's for real uh and i don't put it out of the realm of possibility that we see them in the in the western conference final or the stanley cup final again 
Mike, a good news, happy news story in San Jose with Patrick Marlowe reuniting with his former club and immediately getting first line minutes on the right wing. That part is a bit of a surprise for me. I got to say, partnering with Timo Meyer and Logan Couture, if he can hold on to that role, he's going to get back to the 20 goal mark. Got three points in his first two games, but I just don't want to bet on a guy this mm-hmm. late in his career. And with the fact that they have other options here among the forward ranks, I think Kevin LeBanc is a guy that's ticketed for top six minutes. Marcus Sorensen is out day to day with an injury. Perhaps that's the bigger reason why Marlowe is getting a look on that top unit. Uh, they're loaded offensively up front, though, in terms of guys that should have a good year. Thomas Hurdle is a guy I'm a big fan of. And uh, with the fact now that Joe Thornton is relegated to a third-line role and happy there, Hurdle is going to get a long look uh, in all kinds of offensive opportunities. And I was shocked in one of the leagues that I'm in that some team dropped him. I snapped him up in <laughs> New York second, uh, Mike. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, he, he is primed for an, uh, a good offensive season. Uh, a guy that uh, is not talked about when you talk about defenseman scoring, but steady producer uh, is their veteran Mark Edward Vlasic. He's a little slow out of the gate but nobody's noticing because Brendan Burns and and uh, Brent Burns and Eric Carlson are the guys that carry the, carry the mail here and they're going to be probably one two in terms of defenseman scoring in the league there's no doubt in my mind yeah Vlasic's offensive numbers have never been spectacular but he's the type of player who doesn't really translate well to fantasy sports but right. is a, if you're talking about a game and at the actual game he's he's somebody who you definitely want uh in the and during the regular season killing penalties and, and eating up minutes and in the playoffs as well um yeah I mean I'm a little surprised that Marlowe jumps in after you know I'm sure he was working out during the summer because he always does he's a he's a freak in terms of just you know being 40 years old and still being able to step in and do this and yeah i mean after two years of the leafs and it was more a contractual situation that had him get traded to carolina and then bought out uh, i'm i'm really glad for him and his family that he's having success that being said the sharks were terrible in the first few games uh they needed to make that move because of some of the injuries that they've had uh they they expect more out of hurdle and meyer they need those guys to step up the but the most important guy and it's sort of being overlooked is martin jones martin jones had a terrible year last year he had a save percentage under 900 so far he's one and three with an 887 save percentage this team only goes as far as martin jones carries them and if martin jones continues to play like this they might not make the playoffs in spite of all their talent. Well, and the one team that's got oodles of talent is the Tampa Lightning, and it seems every year there's a couple of guys ready to emerge. We've been waiting on Mikhail Sergachev, for instance, on the blue line. Right now, six points in his first five games. I bet heavily on him every chance that I could in terms of the preseason drafts, and I'm glad I got him because right now, six points in five games. Anthony Sorelli is a guy, maybe the next up to be a contender for the Lady Bing in terms of uh, the defense, the the gentlemanly player or even more appropriately the best defensive center in hockey and he's getting a look now in second line center role uh, ahead of Tyler Johnson that's a bit of a surprise for me because Johnson I think has a way better offensive upside and Sorelli more noted for a checking role assignment Andre Palat could be a big winner in terms of staying in the top six ahead of Yanni Gord watch for that situation it could be up and down between those two guys all season long Patrick Maroon great insurance as a depth player on the left wing too uh, signed for a, a nice deal there 
there. Seems that a veteran who sees the landscape and says, this is a good team that could win the Cup, I'll take a bit of a financial hit to join him. And that's what the thinking was with Maroon. He got a taste of the Cup last year and liked what he tasted. So a uh, good situation for him. In terms of the offense from the back end, Ryan McDonough is a guy that, name recognition type, he's been a solid point producer, but I think he pales in comparison here because Hedman and Sergachev are going to be getting the lion's share, so don't overpay for him. And Kevin Shattenkirk needs to rehab his reputation here, picked a good spot to land, but I think there's way too much depth and, and a little bit of a lack of opportunity. I don't think he's going to continue the scoring that he's been doing so far in the season. Um, I'm, I, you know, I'm a little surprised at Sergachev's, uh, offense early on. I know that it's his third year of his entry level deal and he's probably motivated to put up big numbers and it'll, it'll cause uh, Julian Breezebois some problems if he hits a big number and then they need to spend some significant money on him. But they always seem to find a way to sign players for, for less. Um, Shattenkirk, I mean, I think he tr- is trying to uh, you know, replenish his reputation and he made a good decision to go to Tampa. He's going to get, if, if Hedman doesn't get power play minutes, it's going to probably be Shattenkirk because he's effective on the power play. And we saw what he did when he walked around Morgan Riley like he was standing still. The guy has offensive ability. It just wasn't a good fit with the Rangers. I mean, this is a team that's just so loaded. I mean, not only on their third and fourth line with guys like Matthew Joseph, but you know, they have young players down in Syracuse. They just incredible organizational depth. They may not have the type of season that they had in the regular season last year where they set all kinds of records, but when it comes to the playoffs, this team is going to be really tough to beat. And a team that we both hope is going to be tough to beat in the playoffs is up next, our favorite club, the Toronto Maple Leafs. We make no bones about that on this pod, Mike, and I know you're part of the Leaf Nation as well. But let's try and be objective here and say the good and the bad. The good, Austin mm-hmm. Matthews, six goals and one assist, looks great offensively so far. Tavares has five points, but hasn't looked great in the middle no. of the ice to me, in my opinion. He's just got his points here, but not dominating like I think he could. Uh, Willie Nylander off to a nice start with five points, but again, playing too much on the perimeter. Mar- Mitch Marner has six points in, in six games. Good look, good for him. The big surprise, Ilya Mikhaev, Mike. And yep. there's where I want to begin our discussion here. I'd like to see this guy get a shot in top six minutes, maybe moving Kapanen off that uh, Tavares line. He just seems to be struggling on the wrong side of the ice. He's not used to, pl- used to playing on the left flank, more suited on the right wing. I'd like to see him flip over to that side and give Mikhaev a chance to play with Tavares. His speed will be an asset to that, that unit, I think. So they have an opportunity here to tinker around. The bottom six has been a fantastic producer for this club Alex Kerfoot and Trevor Moore looking very good together and making people uh, pretty happy about this third offensive unit but even the fourth line's been chipping in Freddie Gauthier and Nick Shore with a little bit of offense Dimitro Timoshov looks to me like an NHLer but uh, you're not going to get a lot of fantasy upside from those guys I'd like your opinion most of all on the Kapanen Mikhaev uh, point that I raised in the back end of the ice Morgan Riley I thought was pegged for a bit of a downturn offensively we're seeing that in fact his overall game is a bit out of out of whack he's missing his insulation with with the former partnership with Ron Hainsey and now getting used to Cody Ceci who himself is getting a climate tight to the leaf situation all of that's happening in front of Freddie Anderson you touched on the fact he's a 60 game goalie I think he's locked to get that market more this year again 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's a mistake, but you know, it'll depend on how Michael Hutchinson plays as a backup. But just to go over, uh, you know, Tavares not, has not played up to expectations so far, but he's played okay. Marner, I don't know whether missing training camp or the pressure of making eleven million dollars has affected him, but he hasn't been the same player uh, so far that played last year. I'm sure that 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 will. That will change as the season goes along. Uh, Mikhaev looks like a great find out of the KHL. I think he's played really well on that line. Kerfoot was a great acquisition as part of the deal for Kadri from from Colorado. I've always liked him as a player uh, coming out of Harvard, and and uh, he's a, a Vancouver kid. Um, Trevor Moore. Now the, the, th- the thing is, is that I think that they've had Kapanen on that left side because ev- eventually Zach Hyman, when he comes back, is going to fit in there, and. They don't. I don't know if they want Mikhaev to be on that line and have a ton of success because then it's going to be impossible to take him off of that line. So I, I think Mikhaev, the, the, the third line will eventually be Mikhaev with Kerfoot and Kapanen, and then Trevor Moore moves down to the down to the fourth line, and maybe a guy like Timoshov or Nick Shore loses his position. But it's an embar- it's really an embarrassment of riches right now uh, with the Leafs. The, the whole focus is bottom four, bottom six forwards and bottom two defensemen. The, the other the other positions are all sort of locked in place, and I think everybody, even you know Zach Hyman when he comes back, he won't get 20 goals this year because he's coming off an ACL injury, but he'll get his points. The top six will get their points. Their top nine will get points, and they're all they're all pretty good fantasy values. In Vancouver, I hope there weren't a lot of people out there like me yesterday when I locked in my weekly lineup, and the next thing I did was I looked at the goaltending situation, and I found that Jakob Markstrom was going to be out for a week dealing with personal issues. Well, that's going to cost me because the the role then becomes Thatcher Demko's, and Zane McIntyre will back him up in the goalie mix there for the next week. Up front offensively, I'm really happy to see JT Miller get a chance at top six minutes here in Vancouver. When he's had that role in New York and in Tampa in the past, he's produced points. Playing with Elias Patterson and uh, Patterson and Brock Besser is a great landing spot for him here. So uh, I expect good things from Miller and could have some DFS value to play forward. Uh, Michael Furland, a rugged winger, he's going to be insulating that second line with his physicality. Bohorvat, the newly uh, minted captain, should have a nice season here behind Patterson in the top. Top two centers are in good hands here, folks. And Tanner Pearson rounds out that top six. A pretty credible top six, I'll say. Uh, but the likes of Josh Levo and Jake Vertanen waiting in the wings. Vertanen is a guy who's missed out on grabbing an opportunity here, Mike, in my opinion. I think this guy has more of an up- offensive upside than he's shown. And he needs to really do something to catch capture that role again because... Besser and Pearson going to get a long look in that situation. On the back end, Alex Edler, to me, has been an underrated guy, largely because of the fact that he's another guy that can't stay healthy. But when he's in the lineup and active, he uh, runs a very good power play. So keep an eye on him in your DFS circumstances, because I think behind this offense, he can be a real good power play quarterback in this league still. Tyler Myers was brought in on a big ticket. He's another guy that's going to get a a good chunk of the offensive minutes in terms of power play time and and, uh, high leverage opportunities with the top two forward lines to be a producer so there is some offensive value up here in terms of dfs play markstrom needs to be healthy though and i assume that he will be when he comes back from that little week off situation and uh, he's a guy i think could be a surprise contributor in terms of goalie wins this season 
Well, I mean, it, right now it's encouraging, and it's only four games. But you know, Pearson was a player who was traded twice last year from LA to Pittsburgh to Vancouver. Um, you know, was a pretty good player with the Kings for a couple of years. And if they get some, if they get what they're getting out of him right now, that's a that's a win for the Canucks. Uh, Brandon Sutter, also a, a player who when with Pittsburgh was a really good player, was traded to Vancouver and has had injuries over the last few years. If he can stay healthy, he he's a help. Uh, I think that if you're looking offense in terms of their blue line Quinn Hughes is going to be the guy who everything flows through I believe he'll end up if, if not already but by the end of the year he'll be the point man of the power play and will be a big point getter um, but right now I mean I, I think Vert, you mentioned Vertanen I think Vertanen in a way has lost his role on this team because they bring in a guy like Furland and they're sort of similar type players you know physical big guys and there's just a not, not enough minutes to go around I mean Vertanen at times has been a dominant a player and then he disappears so i think they're looking for more consistency but this is a team with a lot of talent so i mean it's always fun to watch their games later at night and with Pedersen and besser i mean that's that's a reason those those are two reasons to watch them well in vegas i took a major hit in the preseason uh, podcast that i did from a couple of different parties with a good following who who razzed me for the line combinations that I put forth. When I, when I look at the depth charts here, it's exactly what I put, put out, Mike. Marchessault, Harrelson, and Smith, they were the first line that had any success for Vegas right out of the chute when this fan- franchise was formed. They're back together again. They're hitting on all cylinders. And be- behind them, the three veterans that came from uh, other teams, Pacioretty, Stastny, and Stone, make up that second unit. And as long as uh, Stastny's flanked by Pacioretty and Stone. He has a sneaky good fantasy value here from mm-hmm. my perspective, uh, Mike, and, and could be one of those guys that, that will surprise at the end of the season. He's been a decent point producer, but he could be an excellent one pr- flanked by those two wingers. On the back end, the fantasy value for me rests with Shea Theodore. I don't think there's anybody else on this back end that has the offensive upside that he does. Braden McNabb certainly has a big shot, but Theodore is going to get the, the power play minutes here when they when they go with the extra man advantage. I'm a little concerned about the workload for Marc-Andre Fleury. He's another one of those guys that will be pushed for 55 to 60 games played. He's getting toward the latter part of his career too and uh, he needs to hold up because behind him Malkin Subban and Oscar Dance and it's got a bit of a drop off yeah, I know that Subban had a lower body injury, and that was the reason that they brought up Dansk. Uh, they didn't bring up Garrett Sparks, by the way. Um, <laughs> now, I mean, I love the depth on Vegas and that that number two line. I mean, that would be a number one line on most teams, but Stone between uh, Stone and Stasny and and Pacioretty is fantastic. Um, I think that's sort of the sleeper here is Cody Glass, their first round pick from a couple of years ago. He's got four points in six games. He's a really good young player, and he he benefits from the fact that he's not on the top two lines he's on the third line where he's matching up against other teams third or fourth lines and that might be sort of a sneaky way for him to get some uh, offense that uh, you know if he gets 40 45 points as a rookie i mean that'll be a real benefit for 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 the golden knights uh goal goaltending situation is same uh with vegas that, that it is in toronto they have to find a way to limit flurry to under 60 games but right now there i don't think there's a goaltender there uh, that uh, you know that that can spell him for that much, and they're really hurting with the injury to Nate Schmidt. He ate ate up minutes and played off, a lot of offensive opportunities, and they're going to have to rely on some younger guys like Nicholas Haig to step up. And who they, I think he ideally he would have played in the AHL this year, but now he's going to have to play big minutes. 
in Washington, the goalie split is something that we didn't think that we'd be talking about this early in the season. But with the call of Ilya Samsonov and the fact that he's had a decent start and the struggles of Braden Holtby, that's calling that position into question all of a sudden for the Caps. And hand in hand with that, a couple of veterans who were expected to help the offense are offers in terms of Richard Panic and Carl Hagelin. Uh, the heavy lifting has been done by John Carlson on the back end, 10 points in his first six games played. The question all season long in terms of DFS value, though, for me is, is it Backstrom or Kuznetsov that plays with Ovi? And they're going to flip-flop between these two guys. Both guys have played long stints, so check our, our Rotowire depth shots charts on a daily basis. This is my commercial for that uh, great resource, Mike, and I lean on it a lot in DFS play because you got to know who's playing with Ovi. Yeah, that's true. I also think that motivation is always a bit of a key when it comes to players, and Backstrom is in the final year of his contract. So I think that when when a player is and it's a veteran player, so he's again singing for a supper. That you have to think, okay, this guy has extra motivation to put up big numbers, and that might be the difference. Now Kuznetsov is great, and I think maybe they they shuttle Ovechkin between the two of them, um, but maybe not. Maybe since Kuznetsov is signed long term and Backstrom is on the on the last year of the deal, they want to keep Backstrom's numbers numbers down. So I mean, you could you have to factor that in, um, but. In terms of the goaltending situation, I'm not concerned about the guys like Panic or Hagelin not scoring because they're depth players. They'll eventually need them to score, and both of them are veterans. The goaltending situation is is very interesting because Samsonov was ballyhooed, a first-round pick, played well in the KHL, came over, played in the AHL last year. Now is 2-0 with a one goals against and Holtby is an, is a UFA at the end of the year. If they start using Samsonov more as the season goes along, you could see Holtby traded by the deadline. Wow, hot take by Mike. Uh, winding up our 31 teams is the Winnipeg Jets and uh, good news for Winnipeg Jets and their fans. Patrick Laine uh, has come out of nowhere. Uh, I didn't expect this hot start. 11 points in seven games played, but a big part of that reasoning is uh, the fact that he's back on the first line with uh, those two studs, Shifley and Wheeler. Uh, that looks like one of the best lines in hockey once again. Uh, I wonder if he can hold off Kyle Connor, who held that role for long stretches last season. He'll need to continue to produce, but that's a good problem to have in Winnipeg. Andrew Kopp is the guy that's moved up in place of Brian Letter, Little to uh, to hold down that second line center role. That will be a situation those two guys battle with all season long, and the winner gets to play with Connor and Ehlers. That's a heck of a landing spot for a guy mm-hmm. in DFS play and could be sneaky good value there. In terms of the back end, we wondered at the beginning of the season with the, the complete makeover, it was out the exit door for a lot of defensemen, and you wondered who was going to play on the back end here. Well, Neil Pionk is a guy who played power play minutes in New York with some degree of success, and he's going to get that chance here in Winnipeg, and the early, early returns are positive, but Vili Hainola is another guy that's getting a look in terms of being an offensive producer, come from nowhere, and it could be sneaky good fantasy upside there, Mike. Yeah, Hanola is a first-round pick from this year, so he's 18 years old and was forced into this situation because of the Bufflin situation and injuries to guys like uh, Nathan Bullew. Um, so it's it, you know he's playing well, but. 
I don't know how long they want to keep him in this situation. If they go out and make a, a deal for a defenseman, Hainola might be the first sort of casualty to go back uh, to play in, uh, play in the AHL or go back to play in Europe. But he's playing well right now. Pionk is playing over 23 minutes a night, and uh, he offensively has never been a, has never been a problem for him defensively. Um, and this may not trans, uh, translate to fantasy, but uh, defensively he's quite – inept and that that's being kind uh but you know most of the responsibilities are going to go on on josh on josh morrissey who's got four points in five games i mean right now they're scoring like crazy and that and that's covering up a lot of their ills but the defensive issues with this team have to be a, the focus of kevin shovel day off and probably something that will need to be addressed and until and may not be able to be addressed until they get clarification on what's going on with buffalo well, Mike, that takes us through the 31 teams, and uh, your views were excellent all through, uh, throughout this podcast, as I expected. I want to thank you for joining me on today's pod, and I want to give you the opportunity. Please remind our podcast listeners where they can find your work and follow you on Twitter. Uh, Mike and Buffalo on Twitter. I d- write daily for uh, HockeyBuzz.com. Also write for a website called Featured, and I do my own podcast as well with Norman James called The Leafs Combo. You can check that out at at the Leafs convo on Twitter. Well, Mike, I want to thank you again for coming on. And, you know, even when AJ comes back, I'd like to for you to consider joining us on a bit of a roundtable from time to time if sure. your schedule permits. But uh, thank you very much for the insights you brought today. That wraps up the episode of uh, PuckCast with Statsman and AJ, actually with Mike today. Our next episode will take place next week, next Tuesday. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24 and Mike at Mike in Buffalo, as, I, as he said. As always... We invite you to listen into podcasts to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. 